right, well, it's, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, we're in our third week of the bird snatcher. Um, the bird is out of the equation, if you haven't noticed. That was the first week. Um, now we're in the third week, and we've been breaking up this parable, and I would just encourage you uh, to go through this parable, read this parable, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Uh, this is one of those parables that's in literally almost all of the Gospels, and I believe it's there for a reason. I believe that God put it in there to to challenge our hearts, to provoke us, to to uh, inspire and encourage us. The, the, that the fact is, is that the enemy really doesn't like the thing that God put in you. And I think you're not fully convinced sometimes until you really realize, until you read this, that you see, wow, the enemy is really not for me. Um, and so, anyway, we're going to read in, in chapter 13 of Matthew. We're going to start in verse 7. And I hope you all are a little bit more lively than the last crowd. We won't tell them. I told him, I said, either the message really is sticking or it really stinks. <laughs> I'm going with they, it was sticking. <laughs> so y'all help me preach this morning, <laughs> all right? So we're going to read in, in verse 7, and uh, I'm going to read in two different versions um, because I believe that there's something that's uh, in another version that is really important. I'm going to be, I, I knew that I had to bring out the big guns today, so I brought out the big Bible. This is like twice as thick as my other Bible that I preach from, and it's amplified. So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm coming out guns a-blazing this morning, all right? Yeah. All right, it says in verse 7, it says, Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. That's it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that there is an assignment on our seed. Father, we ask that you would protect it. We ask you that, Lord, you would provide and you would allow us to have the strength, the grace, and the mercy, God, to fulfill the potential on the inside of this seed, God. We thank you, God. For every heart this morning, God, that it would fall on hungry hearts, Lord, that it would reap 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, I pray, God, today that our lives would glorify you, God, and, and through that, God, we would make you famous. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. How many of you know it's our assignment, again, to make Jesus famous? So in verse 7 of another version, I want to read this because it says something that's really, I think, um, really good. Uh, it says this in verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds, so when the seeds sprouted up, that is not the right one. My gosh, i got to change the version. People have been messing with revival. All right, this is what it says. It says, other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Because you got to understand this morning, this, this faith that you and I have, as long as you've been saved, is still tender. You are still subject to questioning God to getting frustrated at God, to getting angry, right, to getting, see, tender things become subject to their environment, right, a tender plant, if you hit it, it bends over, and then, and then it, you know, eventually comes back, and I think that a lot of us, we base our faith, it's like, man, I've been, in, I've been in the church for 25 years, your faith can still be tender, and there is an assignment on your faith right now, the things that, that God is asking you to believe him for, there is an assignment on that. And this is what Jesus is really trying to tell us. He said, some seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. The assignment of Satan is to choke out your faith so that you cannot do anything for the kingdom of God, so that you don't desire to do anything. It's like this situation happened, this situation, this circumstance. I don't want to, I'm not doing this anymore. That's exactly what Satan wanted to do. And if you don't grow your faith up, if you don't allow your faith to mature, situations and circumstances that come against you will destroy and choke out your ability to believe God for greater things. Look at somebody this morning and say, God's got greater things. 
He has greater things for you right now than this life that you're in. Is Maybe your life is great right now. Everything's been good. Maybe your life sucks right now. Can you say that in church? Good, because I just did. <laughs> and I'm still standing. <laughs> if I go out, you all know what happened. Can't use that word in heaven. <laughs> all right? So, so right, like, it, it's so important to understand that there is an assignment on your life this morning. The title of this sermon is called Crowded Spaces. And if you're taking notes, write that title on it, Crowded Spaces. Because a lot of you are living really crowded. If this place would have been completely packed out, right, y'all need to start inviting some more people. We brought these chairs out for your friends, your family, so start inviting so, so, right, if this place was packed out and people couldn't get into the parking lot, you know what they do? They turn around and they leave. And my point is, is this, is there's a lot of things that God wants to bring into your life, but when you've got crowded spaces, God can't bring into your life what he desires to because it's full of everything else, right? And so there's these crowded spaces, and this is what happens is it's, it's a fight for space. Right now, your life is a fight for space. Right now, you're like, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I, I mean, I only have so many organs. I can't. No, that's not what I'm saying. There's a fight for space in your spiritual life. There is a fight, constant war between God's will and the enemy desiring to take that will from you. Right? And so the enemy doesn't come again, like I've said, in pitchforks. He comes in promotions. He comes in a relationship. He comes in a lot of different things. He comes in discouragement. He comes in all different things. He's wrapped up in any kind of thing that he can. But notice what it says is it says the thorns. And understand a thorn bush doesn't grow up with come out of the ground with thorns on it. It comes up like it's potential. It comes up like it's something that's good. And you're like, oh, man, I'm going to water that. <laughs> and a lot of us are watering things that we don't even realize are on an assignment to choke us out, to kill us, to take us out. And there's this fight for space that requires you to care more about your faith than the fortunes you have. But see, the world has told you from the time that you were raised that you should have this kind of a car, you should have this kind of a wife, you should have this kind of clothes, you should have this kind of a house, you should have this kind of a life and luxury. I mean, I laugh every time I watch some of these Mercedes commercials, and I'm like, dude, no one has that kind of house. It's like, but I want that house because that's, that's what the world does, is the world lures us in. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, I could have that type of life. But why do you want that life, really? Really, why do you want that life? Why do you want that kind of a car? Why do you want that kind of a of life? And that's what the enemy does. He does all this stuff, and he keeps watering the thorns for you. He's like, yeah, 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 man, look at this thing. It's growing. It's growing faster than your faith, right? See, there could be this thing that God is trying to grow up in you, and the enemy is he's helping water the things around you so that you become so consumed about what's around you that's growing up that you lose you lose intention on what's God, what God gave you. The only thing God gave you is faith. He gave you destiny. He gave you purpose. And with that, if you, if you begin to water everything else, something else gets neglected. Right? You can't live your purpose and water all the other stuff. It's like one or the other, right? And that's what this is really talking about. And so there's this, there's this fight. But the one thing I want you to understand is this, is that fear grows faster than faith. You ever, you ever watch the commercial and it's like, oh, and if you're sleeping at night and you're rolling and your legs ache, you've got restless leg syndrome. 
It's like, oh my gosh, I did not know that. Well, I got to go to a doctor and go, let's go to the emergency room. My legs are doing the same thing. Why is it, isn't it amazing, right? It's amazing how you hear that and you automatically have, a, have assigned yourself to restless leg syndrome. Because fear grows faster than faith. Because anything that the enemy is doing is always going to be easier for you. It's always going to be more comfortable for you. It's going to always look a little bit better than it should for you. Because fear grows faster than faith. But faith is the only thing you have that can fight the enemy. Faith is the only thing that you have that trumps Satan's words. I mean, it began in the garden with Adam and Eve, I mean, they, it says that they were like, they were created from the very image of God, but then Satan came and said, hey, you, you know, really God's robbing you and stripping you from stuff. He's keeping you out of the loop. And this is what we do, is anytime we feel like, it, honestly, a lot of this really is really entitlement. This comes from a spirit of entitlement where we think that we should have more than God gave us. I know. <laughs> But that's what happens is that we begin to water things that are around us because we think we deserve it. And God, if you're not going to do it, by gosh, I'll just get my own plant and I'll do my own thing. And before you know it, the very thing that you thought you needed begins to be the very thing that squashes out and suffocates your faith. What? See, you get, it, what happens is fear, what does fear produce? Worry. Right, the, the sister of fear is worry. And so what happens is worry begins, you give worry time, and what happens, it will grow up, and it will choke out the tender plant. The tenderness. This, and, and even we can even go into the tenderness of the, the genuineness of how you're trusting God. The, the, the childlike faith that you have for God, that you just like, no, I just believe God. And before you know it, all these other things become more important, it's like, ah, I don't really know if God will come through on that. That's been a little longer than I anticipated. And you begin to question God. Yeah, God isn't as faithful as I thought he was. I mean, I, that first year when I got saved, I mean, he was like, he was like a bank. I could just go get it, deposit, get the withdrawal. I was like, man, that was awesome. But now it's called growing up and maturing. <laughs> as Jaylee gets older, she doesn't get anything she wants. Right? And that's what happens is as you mature, as you grow up, God does some things to test and to challenge your faith so you can have not just tender faith, but grown-up faith, right? See, it can appear more secure. That's the problem is a lot of these things on the outside that you can't see that I'm talking about, <laughs> these are just things. you got to be have an imagination, all right? <laughs> There's plants everywhere all around me, okay? <laughs> and... See, these things, honestly, for a little while, they bring shade, and they bring comfort, and they bring security, right? Like, all of these things, it's like, I need that relationship, pop, there it goes, and this is security. Oh, I need that promotion, I got that promotion. I need the amount, this certain amount of my savings account, I needed this kind of house, or this kind of, oh, and all of these things begin to be security. That's how they start off, right? Because that's what the enemy does. He loves to help reassure you and bring security to you for a season, because he knows what he's doing. Right? And what happens is that many of those things begin to be the very thing that begin to overshadow. And guess what happens when things get taller than your faith? Faith doesn't get signed. So faith can't grow. And then what happens is those get taller and taller and then they begin to fall on it. And so I was thinking about this illustration here. Uh, can I get an illustration? Uh, Chick, come here for a second. I need you to go. Come up here, Haley. Come. Come. Come here. Hurry. 
Haley is super tender. Look at her sweet little heart. And she's faith. And I want you just to bend over just a little bit. Like, you know, little, yeah, right there. So what happens is, is like faith, this is faith. And I'm like one of those bushes. And I'll just like, I'll do, no, whoa, whoa. Okay, bad, bad one. Okay, you got to kind of fight me a little bit. <laughs> we didn't practice. This is improv. And, and it kind of, you know, you put a little faith. And she said, you can push up now. Push me up. Okay. And so she can handle that a little bit. But then what happens is those other things that got around her. Now you can do it again. Kid, I need you to come over here and lay on me now. And now I need you to come up. Go ahead. Push all your might. Go ahead. Okay. We still got three or four more we can give you. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and this is what happens is that she's straining. She's doing all. You all right? Bless your heart. You get a free seven brew card. <laughs> I don't want to get sued. But see, that's what happens is that. The fight that she's having to push up, she would have never had to do that if she would have taken care with what was around her. But so many times we're like, oh, I need that, and I need that, and I need that. And before you know it, it begins to put the very pressure that God never put on you. And now she's having to push against something and fight something that she was never intended to have to fight. Right? So what presents itself as comfort is really choking the very, the very destiny and effectiveness of who you are out. I mean, she can't go reach people if, if that's what she looks like. She can't love on people if she's so hunched down because of all the weight and the pressure of all the life. But whenever she's taking care of these plants and she's cutting them out of her life, she can be effective. And many of us are not effective in our lives because we're so consumed with, you know, the whole squirrel center. Squirrel. It's like. You're on your mission. Squirrel. It's like you care about so much other stuff than the assignment that God gave you. And you have a destiny. You have a purpose. You have something that God ordained from the moment that he created you. And you have to care about that. See, problems can only outpace God's promises. Only. They can only do that when you're unwilling to confront them. Problems will come. You cannot avoid problems. But you also can strip yourself of God's promises because you're in the pursuit of God's, of all these other things rather than God's promises. God's promises are always waiting. But until you're willing to prune some of those problems out of your life, and some of those problems I'm not saying are bad things. I'm saying those are things, they're a problem because they're hindering your faith. Understand, I'm not talking about it's a problem because I'm sick or I'm a problem because, I'm talking about it's a problem because it's in, it's in war with your faith. That is a problem. And so in verse 22, he, this is Jesus, and he begins to explain to his disciples, hey, this is what this parable means, because they're like confused. And he breaks it down, and he says, this is what I was really implying. So this is what Jesus is really saying. He's saying that to us today. There's going to be hundreds and thousands of people that have attended church this morning, and if you were to ask them at lunch what, today or what their pastor preached on, they're not going to be able to tell you. And this is why. It says this, and as for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the pleasure and delight and glamour and deceitfulness of riches choke, suffocate the word, and it yields no fruit. Because see, what you don't remember, you can't ever become. If God's been telling you something even this morning about your life and something that he's trying to, to speak into your life about, but by the time you leave this, it's like, I don't know what pastor, I mean, I remember this illustration, it's kind of silly, but, but like, what, 
what is God going to speak to you that you need to hear that could change and transform the entire rest of your life? See, I think it's important what you hear today. Because some of you are hearing that you can't have any fun. Because that's what the enemy's telling you based on the sermon that I've already preached. You can't have any fun. You can't even be a joyful Christian because you don't get anything. You have to live in a, a, a one-bedroom house. You have to have a certain salary that's this low. You have to have an okay wife or okay husband. Right? This is what the enemy tells you. Because this is what you're hearing. It says this. It says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word. But then he also hears something else. See, what you hear is extremely critical. So what you hear is what you give the power to thrive. If you hear whatever whatever it may be, if you hear that God is really, he, I mean, he doesn't have any really thing to fill you with. Like, you've created your own life and you're dealing with the circumstances and the situations and that's what you hear. Because that's what the enemy would like. You're here because of you. Then you allow that to be the very loudest voice in your life. You're in the situation that you're in because you put yourself there. Look, that may be true. But God's words trump your situation that you put yourself in. That's why he's, God, he's a God of grace and he's a God of mercy. Because we make mistakes. We've, we've messed up. Well, what are you feeding with miracles, though? Because of what you hear. Because, because this is, and you hear, let me tell you this, you hear what you're around. If you live with a bunch of people that all they are is they talk about the world and what you can get and all the things you can obtain. And if you can have this and you can have this, guess what you're going to want to hear? That's all you're going to want to do is pursue material materialism. You're going to try to pursue that stuff, right? And there's a huge, there's a huge thing happening in, in the Christian, in the, in the American church movement where it's this, it's, it's all about like being like the world. I, I listened to a thing that most pastors are preaching from a secular point of view today. Like, it's all about self-help and mental, mental stuff. And it's like, dude, where, where has this gone? Like, if, if you, can, you can do what you want, but you've got to have the word of God if you want your life to change. You can go to a thousand sermons, but if their word is not coming and it's not being, and it's not being planted on your heart, it's not going to ever produce anything. And we can have thousands of people fill an auditorium and thousands of people leave with thorns consuming their potential. But we have to use the word of God that says, you know what, that doesn't line up with God's word. So I'm going to stand up against that. I, I, you know what, and, and we have wounds and we have things. I've got to cut right now. If you touch it, it hurts. And so many times it's like, it's like we have wounds and it's like we try to stay at a distance. But understand the father is not here to poke at it. The father is here to help you to be the antibiotic in the wound, to help you rise above and to be something better. See, if you've, if you've ever seen a crowd, if you've ever been in a line or something, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you walk up, and you're like, you're anticipating, like, I cannot wait to go to Chick-fil-A. It's noon on a Wednesday. It's going to be awesome. Don't ever go to noon. I mean, Chick-fil-A at noon on Wednesday. I mean, they got double lines. It's still out in the, it's out in Walt, and it goes back down to I Street. And it's like, what do you do, right? You're like, you're hungry. You drive up to Chick-fil-A anticipating a lemonade and some chicken strips. Or sandwich, Popeyes, I don't know, you, 
but but you pull up in the crowd, right? There's it's such a long line. What do you do? You just opt for for Wendy's. Right? Because sometimes the crowd, you become so crowded, it's like I'm just you move out of your own, you move out of what you desire. And this is what the enemy would love to do is to crowd you so much that you move out of your position. There's this there's a situation that happened at the U.S. Open. How many tennis fans we got in here this morning? Awesome. Now two. We had four at the last one. Okay, now we got we got three. I'm one too. So whoop, whoop. y'all need to get a life. I mean, tennis is the bomb. Anybody know who Nadal is? Okay, he's the U.S. champion. Anyway, so he was in the finals. U.S. The U.S. Open. He was in the, the finals, and and he was doing his practice rounds like the day before, two days before. And, of course, he's been, I mean, he's been the champion several times in a lot of different things. He's one of the top guys. And so they, during their practice rounds, they sign autographs from people. They'll sign balls and hats and shirts and all kinds of stuff. Well, the crowd was in, pressing in, and all of a sudden, Nadal heard this, this scream. And as he looked down over the thing, there was this little boy, maybe five, seven years old, being squished. Literally, he couldn't breathe. And Nadal pushed people back and grabbed him and brought him over. And then he began to wipe his tears. And he began to say, it's okay, son. It's okay. It's okay. And I want you to know that I don't care how crowded your life may be in this moment. There is a Nadal. His name is Jesus. And he will reach over. And he will pull you out. And he will pull you over. And he will wipe your tears. And he said, look, I understand the crowd. I know that you put yourself in the situation. But I will pull you out. As you cry out, as you ask for me, I will call I will, I will answer your call. And I know that what I'm saying is this, is a lot of us have put ourselves in crowded spaces, and it's our fault. But we have, a, we have a father who's good, who's willing to step in and come in and redeem us and save us and heal us and, and reposition us so that we have something to live for. See, th- I love the fact that this, this Nadal, did not even know this kid, and he began to wipe his tears. And he began to like just, and he was doing this with him. I mean, I do that with Jaylee, and he was just, he doesn't know this kid, and he's just doing this with him. And I'm like, that's crazy how, how quick and how sensitive Nadal was to this. Because I want you to know that the fact that that, that nature was in Nadal, you have to know the nature of the father. If that is in a human being who may not even know Jesus, is willing to do that for a person in the crowd, what is Jesus willing to do for you? I mean, the crowd that you may, you may have put yourself, you may have, you may have helped enemy, the enemy plant the things around you. You might have been like, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, yeah, I'll cover that one up. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what about that one thing? The devil's like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right, you've been, you've been planting your own demise. See, Nadal, I mean, Nadal. <laughs> I'm all about Nadal, okay? I love Nadal. <laughs> but, but the enemy doesn't want you to have any space. You realize that the enemy wants you to have your weekends full. He wants you to have your work week full. He wants, you to ha- he wants to have you where you don't have any space for your family, any space for anything else other than you making sure that your life is full. And I truly believe that it's an epidemic in, in America that our lives are so full that, that 
we are so we are so unhappy because we have everything. We have everything we could ever want. I mean, we got we got campers and boats, and they sit in the in the storage places, and but you have them. It's like we have all of these things, and look, don't get me wrong. I don't care if you have stuff. That's not what this is about. This is about are you leaving space for Jesus? That's what it's about. It's like does I can tell you what you're crowded with by looking at your bank account and looking at your time chart. If I was to look at how much you're, what you spend all of your time on and all, what you spend all of your money on, I could tell you what your priorities are. I could tell you what's crowding you, and I can help you. I can say, look, man, like you're spending $80,000 a year on eating out. Or, you know what I mean? And we get crowd, we get like, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't make enough money. No, you just eat out a lot. <laughs> and we crowd ourselves with certain things that's like, God never intended for us to, and we're fighting battles that God never intended for us to fight, and we wonder why we're tired, and we're fatigued, and we're worn out, and we don't want to put any effort into our, into our faith. Like, when's the last time you bought a Bible, or you bought a book, or you listened to a podcast for your spirit? Probably not very often, because we don't find the time for that, because our, our lives are so crowded for space. I mean, if you think about your, t- your day this month, you know, this next week, you're like, oh my gosh, you're already overwhelmed. Like, thank God you came to this church today just so you could get a little bit of breathing room. Right? And why does the enemy not want to give you space? Because of the possibility of the seed in you. Because, see, if you don't have space, you don't have the ability for your seed to ever grow into any possibility that God asks for you to do, for the things that he wants to do through your life. Right? And so we have possibility, and then we have space. And both of those are required to be able to see it happen. A lot of us, we want stuff, and we want possibilities, but you can't have both. I mean, you can in some regard. I'm not saying that. But, but the, oftentimes, the stuff overwhelms the seed of possibility. This is what he's saying. See, what's, my challenge for us this morning is this, is that what's competing for your attention? Right now, even right now, what's competing for your attention? What's competing for your attention? When you leave here, right now, you, you would have to understand that, that there, is some, there is something competing for your attention. The enemy wants to do everything he can to try to say, hey, come over here. It's like, kid, if you come up here for a second. We got possibility over here, right? This is possibility. And then what happens is, come up a little bit more. Come up, come there. Come, come up. I didn't say step up. <laughs> oh, boy. He's still learning. But see, if I stand here, what Kit is trying to teach me, he can't see. The possibilities that are in front of him, as long as this is in his way, he can't see the possibilities. Right? And then, you know, it's like, then we get a, n- a couple more, and it's this wall. And we get so discouraged, and it's like, I can't see any, I don't see anything that God can do for me. You're right, because you've got stuff all around you that's trying to consume the possibilities. <laughs> and my, my, my question for you is, what, is, what is doing that? Because a lot of those things are necessary things. That's the problem. 
because there's things that we have to do. We have to have jobs, and we have to have money, we have to have houses, we have to have things, right? That, that's not what Jesus is trying to say here, that you can't have any of that stuff. What he's saying is, is like, you are giving it more attention than you are me. It's like, I mean, I think about Jesus whenever I'm on my way to church because I'm trying to figure out directions on how to get to church. Or it's like, what, you know, you know, it's like, when does, when does God really enter your thought life? Is it Saturday night when you're like, I got to get ready for church tomorrow? Oh, my gosh. It's already Sunday. <laughs> how many of y'all thought that? Don't raise your hand. I'm kidding. <laughs> But, but what you allow to survive, or let me say it this way, what you give attention to, you allow to survive. What is surviving in your life is what you're giving attention to. What, whatever is continuing to thrive in your life is what you're watering. And a lot of us want a different life, but we've got to stop watering the things that are stripping that from us. I mean, a couple year, year and a half ago, Alicia and I changed our entire lifestyle, how we live. Is we implemented the Sabbath, that on Saturdays from a certain time in the morning till Sunday morning before we go to church, it's committed to God and our family. We don't work. There's certain times we have to adjust our schedule and we can make a difference. But why? Because it cuts out the thorns. And it says, God, you are our number one. You are our priority. You are the thing that we live for, and we don't have any of this without you. Notice that the, thorn, that the thorns were around it, that that faith was centered. Because it, it should help us remind ourselves that the only way to be centered is to be God-focused. The only way that you will ever be, ever be centered and you will ever be really truly satisfied is when Jesus is the number one thing. And it's in our Sabbath keeping that changed everything. I mean, it, it changed the way that we viewed our days. It made us appreciate the fact that we had a Sabbath and the fact that we had a Savior. And this was before church. This, is, this wasn't because of us going to church that we thought that. And I think you have to understand that what you give attention to is what's going to survive. In verse 22, it talks about worry. And what I want you to understand is this, is that worry, what it does is it minimizes the weight of God's word. Some of us, worry outweighs God's word. Many of us, worry outweighs God's word. Let me just say this way. If you're worrying, it outweighs God's word. I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but that's why it's worry. If it's worry, it's because you are questioning whether God will come through. This Bible right now weighs about four or five pounds. It's weight. Five pounds. But what I want you to understand is the what's inside of this weighs vastly different than what's the actual weight of it. And that's why I told you I brought the big one out today. But it doesn't have any more weight than my little thin Bible. They have the exact same weight spiritually. And a lot of times we would have to bring in a backhoe to carry our worry. When we could carry a four-pound Bible and deal with worry. But it's not until this outweighs your worry that worry goes away. It's not until this outweighs your doubt that this stuff goes away. It's, you've got to cut. Understand, the thorns that he's talking about, you don't cut with your hands. You cut with his word. 
That's why the Bible says that this is like a double-edged sword, that it cuts going in and it cuts going out. Because that's what God's word does. But so many of us are allowing God's word to be outweighed. And when the next problem you have, will you commit to me to run to God's word and get him answered? Not your best friend, not your mom or your dad, unless you're a little child, that's okay. But run to God's word and say, what does God's word say about that? And see how quick worry evaporates. Because the only way that worry evaporates is as faith is built. And the only way you build your faith is by God's word. You see how that works? And understand, I'm not just talking about his literal writing this word in here. I'm talking about the spirit of God speaking to you. That he says, look, Brian, I know this happened, but this is what, this, I'm already in it with you. And worry has to, it has to bow out. See, worry allows you to be overwhelmed by what's around you so that you forget the seed that God put in you. That's what worry wants to do. It wants to say, hey, look, I'm the most important thing. Worry is not the most important thing. What God put in you is the most important thing. And we can so easily forget that God put something on the inside of us. Because worry lies to us. And different things that happen begin to outweigh what God put in you. I mean, God spent a lot of energy creating you. He said we created you in our likeness and in our image. I don't think God did that so that worry could outweigh you, so that all of the things in this life could overtake you. He even says in Genesis, and he says, look, I've given you authority. That means he's given you access to deal with what's around you. And some of us need to cut some friendships off. Some of us need to cut some emotional baggage off. Some of us need to cut some some resentment and unforgiveness and certain things off of our lives. And we need to crowd the crowded spaces. We need to, we need to eliminate some of the stuff so you can breathe. You know, I sense this even right now. That the story about the Bible of Jesus dying on the cross, what they, why they did what they did is they spreading his arms on the cross and spreading his feet on there. And so that he couldn't, he would eventually not be able to breathe. He wouldn't be able to lift his body up I want you to know that he died he he took all of that stuff and he gave his last breath so that you could continue to breathe so that you could continue to expand and breathe and do what you're called to do why should you live so crowded that you can't breathe that you don't enjoy life life is not it wasn't designed for you to just try to get by. This tender plant, the Bible says this, that faith is like a seed, like a mustard seed, put in the ground. And don't be discouraged about the size of the seed that's put in the ground. If you will continue to water it, the Bible goes on and then says, then birds, when it grows up and it becomes fully mature, that birds will be able to rest on it. Isn't that interesting, the bird snatcher, that what, what the bird came and consumed now becomes so big that it actually has the ability to rest on it. 
Don't allow the bird snatcher to take that seed. Allow yourself some breathing room. When are you going to find time to read God's word? When are you going to time find time find time find find time? My gosh, devil is a liar. When are you going to find time to be able to pray? When are you going to be able to do what are you going to do to be able to find time to, to worship? Right? We want, we want these results. We want to be more mature, but we have to find time or time find. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> you know, long weekend. But right now, what are you going to do to cut out some time for your faith, for your purpose? I know you've got that kid, and it's hard, and they're exhausting, but you got to find time. And I think the hardest part is the initial finding the time. Because, I mean, the first part of taking the stuff out of the, is that you're crowded. And it's like you're working with these, you know, these cutters, and it's like it's tight. But the more that you do it, the more room you get, and the easier it gets to begin to value the space that you have. And you say, no, no, that ain't going here. I worked way too hard to clear that out. And you begin to value your space. Some of y'all need to value your space again. People just crowded around you and they've, they've needed you. Let them need God. Like you can't carry the weight of all of these people. Someone needed to hear that. See, what does worry do is it diverts your purpose to being about problems and not people. But you realize that your whole purpose is about people. So if the enemy can, can make it all about your problems, then guess what happens is you walk past the broken and hurt person to go fix your own problem. Eliminating the whole purpose of why God created you. And this is what God is asking us. Can we get back to people? Can we, not get, can we not be so consumed with building our own platform and having a certain amount of Instagram followers and having a certain amount of people like us and a certain amount of things that we forsake our purpose. Because that's what the goal of the enemy is, is to make you strive so much that you don't have any time for your purpose. Because if you don't have time for your purpose, you don't have time for people, because your people are your purpose. In some shape, form, or fashion, people are your purpose. And as long as there are problems, and there's always going to be problems. Then if that becomes what it's about, then you literally miss out on the whole reason you're here. You guys can stand with me this morning as I close. Y'all were a way better crowd. Thank you. I'll tell the 9 o'clock next week. So if you're here. Y'all were probably at the 9 o'clock last week, and I was like, man, that last, that 11 o'clock, the one before, it's like, I'm going to 9 o'clock. <laughs> but there's a scripture in, in Hebrews, and I want to read this, because I believe it's so important to, and let me say this, look, I think a lot of times we don't fully understand God's word, it's like, I don't even know where to start. Just start. I mean, it's just like whenever you have a relationship with a friend, or you, and you didn't know him, you're like, I don't know what he meant by that. 
but I'm going to just keep hanging out and see if that goes away. And the more that you hang out, the more that you begin to, like when I had like that, it's not that I'm mad. I just, I just, I, I communicate like that. Like some of y'all think I'm mad today. I'm not. I just like, I like to talk and get worked up, you know, with my hands. That's just part of who I am. But to understand that as you read God's word, you begin to decipher and begin to understand the spirit of God. And I'm saying that because I think so many of us have great intentions of getting in God's word, but we don't fully understand it, so we just back away instead of learning and acclimating ourselves to it. Saying, okay, that's what you meant. Okay, I get it. So this is in Hebrews 13, it says this, verses 5 through 6. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. I think that is so important. God has said, I will never fail you. See, all of that other stuff, if you didn't hear that, don't love money is an issue. Because then you think you've got to work for your provision. But that's why he says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? See, I think so many of us are working and striving for people. And when it becomes about that, you've you've missed everything. I love, don't love money. It's basically saying, don't love money. Don't put all of your energy in that. Your Savior, I got you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I got you. I'm your helper. You don't have to look to them to promote you. You don't have to look to them to provide for you. I got you. You've trusted me. I will provide for you. And so the problem becomes is when you're trying to outlive what God is providing for you. You're like, I'm not happy with everything that God's where I have. So I want more. So you begin to plant stuff. Right? And I just sense that there's just a weariness on people. And God is saying, look, I want you to be able to breathe again. I want you to be able to have a space to enjoy your family. That you can go out to eat and you're not consumed with emails and work. That you can just embrace your wife and your kids. Church, that's not a life to live. Give yourself some space. Jesus said you could. I just want to pray over you this morning as we close. I know that there's a lot of weight on many of you this morning. There's a lot of thorns surrounding and crowding you. And I feel like the Lord is just going to illuminate certain ones that you take out strategically first. That there's certain things that just need to be cut and removed. So, Father, I lift up every life in here, every soul, every purpose every seed of faith. And God, I just pray that you would highlight in our lives, God, the things that are trying to crowd in and fight for space. Lord, we pray that you would begin to breathe in us, God, so that we can make space for the more important things. God, let our faith grow. 
because it has room. Let our faith expand because it has room. God, let our dependency fall on you more than anything else. God, we pray against the thorns in our lives, God. We pray against those things that are trying to press in. We ask for your grace and your mercy this morning. We thank you for your supernatural wisdom too. To be able to respond. God, give us grace to even respond if it's a person, God, that we would be able to love them out. That God, it's not something that we're just difficult and rude about, God, but give us grace with them. Lord, we love you this morning, and God, it's our desire to fill the purpose that you have for us. Lord, I pray that families would become stronger. I thank you that friendships would become healthier. I thank you that workplaces would become happier simply because we've made space for you. We love you. We thank you that you are for us. If there's anyone in here this morning that you don't know Christ, maybe you've heard of him, but you've never lived your life committed to him. And this morning you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to commit my life to him. If that's you this morning, if you would... Just slip your hand up real quick, and you can set it right back down. You say, that's me. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else this morning? Thank you for that hand. It's the best decision you're going to make. See, right now, right now, what you're doing is you're creating space. Anybody else? Father, I just want to lift up those who have raised their hand, God. And I thank you, God, right now, God, for you working on their hearts. So we pray this prayer. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose again on the third day. So I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord. Savior, I ask you, Jesus, to reveal the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give them a hand? If you raise your hand, we've got a book for you. We just want to help you walk out this journey. Um, we know it's not easy, but we believe that through Christ you can do it. Amen.